Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You know I'm right. Episode 16 right here on the WG Sports Radio Network. I'm Nick Durst, joined again by Joe Calabrese. And Joe, it's been a crazy week. We have some major wrestling news. So of course, we got to get an NHL insider on to cover that. And of course, there's some hockey news as well. So we have a big guest here today. And why don't you introduce our audience to him? Yes, sir. Uh, just a quick reminder for everybody. I first uh, started working with the NHL back in 2016. It only lasted a couple of months. But during my period of time working there, I met a couple of really, really great people who had taught me a bunch of things, and those things still carry with over to me today. Uh, now that I'm doing the video side or allegedly going back to work to do the video side, hopefully soon, now that the news came in this week. But uh, to our guest, I want to introduce him. He is one of the deputy managing editors for NHL.com. Uh, he exclusively writes sometimes about the New York Islanders. He's become one of the primary voices and media personalities regarding the New York Islanders. So that's very exciting for him. She's very proud of that. He is a huge Kiss fan, allegedly. Huge Kiss fan. And he's always on front of the line uh, when McDonald's is serving McRibs. It's one of his favorite things in the world. So uh, I would like to welcome to the podcast a very good friend of mine, very good colleague of mine, Mr. Brian Compton. Brian, how you doing today? What an intro, Joey. Thank you so much. But you forgot most hated on Twitter as well. But uh, you, maybe you guys can edit that in later on. That's fine with us. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you're really that hated that much. Oh, dude, so. people hate me. It's hysterical. <laughs> I, it's fun. It's fine. It, it's it's important good. to note that Brian's opinions are his own, not the NHL. That's right. Oh, yeah, it's very important. Right. Uh, yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say regarding stuff, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the news this week. Uh, we won't pick your brain too much, and we're, we're going to try not to get you in trouble. And if Please by don't. some chance you do get in trouble, <laughs> you can just blame me and they can let me go okay. again. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, obviously the big news this week is that the NHL has a plan to come back. And my question for you is, this is going to be obviously a unique playoff setup here. Which team who, in a traditional 16 seed playoff and wouldn't get the chance to be in the playoffs is now going to be in the playoffs has the best chance to actually make a run here deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs so we're really looking at those teams seated outside of the top eight that's a really good question Nick uh I'm gonna please Joey right now I think oh no I, I really think the Rangers okay. do. Um, you know, getting Chris Kreider back is going to be huge for them. Um, Shesterkin looked like he was the real deal before, uh, you know, the car accident, the unfortunate accident that he was in. So, um, you know, it's technically the, you know, the postseason, right? So it's, it's an unknown what, we're gonna, what the Rangers are going to get from Shesterkin. But um, they were really, really playing well before, before the pause, before the pandemic. So I think they're going to be a really dangerous team for sure. 
So great point with Kreider. That was definitely on something on our list we wanted to discuss. So, I mean, obviously, if, if this was regular circumstances, the Rangers were playing very well. There was, there was a chance they were probably going to catch the teams ahead of them to make the playoffs. But without Kreider, they really were not going to be in good shape here in the playoffs. Shesterka now fully healed up, obviously. And Panarin, he was playing at maybe like an MVP level. And if the Rangers somehow would have made the playoffs regularly, uh, I think he would have been in the, in the discussion there. But the big question that I wanted to know is how much of an impact could Chris Crowder make coming off this injury? And basically, does it help that he's coming back from injury, but he's going to be on a basically even playing scale with everybody else who's pretty much been sitting on a couch or really off the ice for quite some time now? Yeah, I think they know what they're going to get from him as far as production, Nick. It's more where he's where he's really going to help is experience because this is a young Rangers team now. I mean, if Lundqvist doesn't play, which I don't think he's going to play game one uh, anyway, we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, Kreider is one of the very few guys on the roster who's been in not – I know this is a unique situation the way this is all being presented, but um, from a playoff hockey perspective, there's not many guys on that roster who have gone through this before. So I think what Kreider brings to the table is going to be invaluable for these guys. And who could forget Chris Kreider made his NHL debut in the Stanley Cup That's playoffs. Right. Yeah. So my question for you here is the Rangers got this really great defenseman who just signed during all this, Condre Miller. There's no AHL season this year uh, anymore. Is there a possibility that you could see him, especially if there's a fact that maybe the rosters are expanded for this playoff, that he's going to make his debut in this Stanley Cup playoffs? I'd be very surprised. I think you'd have to have some injuries. Just because, you know, I know there's talk about all these guys just stepping in and playing when they first signed the contracts, guys. But to me, I mean, unless they're this all-world talent, I just don't think it's fair to the guys who just played 65, 70 games and went through this before the pause hit. So, uh, look, he's a terrific prospect. He's going to be on the blue line, you know, sooner rather than later. Is it going to be this summer? Uh, I, don't, I just don't see it. All right, so we're going to pivot away from the Rangers because I didn't want to drag the Islanders writer on here to talk about the Rangers the whole time. Uh, okay, so we made it a, a focus, a point of focus to talk about Kreider and his value and what he could bring to the Rangers uh, in this, this updated uh, return-to-play format, right? Give me another player, uh, another team, right? Uh, give me a player who is or was in Kreider's position, maybe he was out with injury, maybe he wasn't playing, who another team is going to get back who could make an impact should this all come to fruition uh, a month, month and a half from now. Jake Ensel in Pittsburgh. I mean, this is a 40-goal scorer, right? I mean, he's one of the premier forwards in the league and has been for a while and um, – steps up to the plate in, in big moments, as we saw, you know, with, with the Penguins in the playoffs a few years back, Joey. So uh, Gensel's ready to go. Uh, you add that to what the Penguins did um, all season long before the pause. It was one injury after another. They're another one of these teams that's going to be healthy uh, whenever we get back to business here. The Penguins are going to be a very dangerous out, and, and Gensel's going to be at the forefront of that for sure. That's a good answer. Remember the days when he was a complimentary forward. Now he's not a, anymore. And out first line forward. He's, he's a phenomenal. Well, he's top five forward. I mean, he's fantastic. He's 35, 40 goals every year now. It's crazy. All right. So uh, based on the format that is currently uh, or was announced by Commissioner Gary Bettman earlier on the week, we're going to have 
essentially a qualifying round of teams that were going to be in place to make the playoffs and the teams who were just on the outside looking in, right? So we've got eight series, uh, potentially round-robin series to look for, right? So we got four in the East, and we got four in the West. I'm not going to list them all off the top of my head. Obviously, the seeding format would be 5-12, 6-11, 7-10, 8-9, and vice versa in the West, right? So give me, of all the series, right, uh, give me the one East series that you would be looking forward to the most. And you don't have to use the Rangers again, just to pander to us. Give us the one East series that you're looking forward to the most of the, the, the ones that were mentioned and give us the one West series that you would be uh, focused on the most. In the East, I can't wait for Toronto Columbus. I think that's going to be a lot of fun because you just don't know what you're going to get from the Blue Jackets and, and Elvis, you know, being new to this whole thing. Uh, and the pressure that's going to be on the Leafs is enormous, right? I mean, they have been in this position time and time and time again and can't get over the hump. Obviously this is only year two for, for John Tavares in Toronto, but he knows the pressure uh, that's on the Leafs, just like he knew the pressure that was on the Islanders in 2016 to, to finally get over the hump and win a playoff series for the first time since 93. And he was unbelievable in that series against Florida. So um, that's going to be must-see TV. And in the West, I think Edmonton-Chicago is going to be a ton of fun too, Joey. Um, you know, Edmonton has all that high-flying offensive talent with Dre Seidel and, and McDavid and um, you know, who's going to play in net? Is it going to be Mike Smith or is it going to be uh, Miko Koskinen? Who knows? Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. And Chicago was, I think, starting to figure things out a little bit towards the end before the pause. Um, but when you put that high-flying talent in Edmonton against the experienced Blackhawks uh, with Kane and Taze and, and Keese, uh, so many guys there, that that's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Brian, with the – announcement or at least the rumor that there's going to be expanded playoff rosters which team would benefit the most just for the pure fact that their depth pieces are so much better talent wise than the rest of their competition you know the expanded rosters I think too much has been has been put into that Nick to be honest because it just gives you more depth more than anything else um, I don't think it's so much somebody that we haven't seen is going to step up to the plate and be the my trophy winner when this is all over um, I think it's just teams, the teams are going to benefit from this just because maybe guys that, um, haven't gone through the rigors of being a black ace and seeing what, um, postseason hockey is all about. I think it's going to benefit those younger guys who, even if they don't play, they're going to see what it's like and it could benefit them in the long run. All right. So now that we know that the regular season has officially concluded, so at no point are we going to return there? We know the 24 teams who are going to be in a hypothetical playoff format. We know the seven who did not make it, and we know that those seven teams are uh, right now on the outside looking in. They're looking forward now to when the draft lottery stuff is going to play out. Those teams are also looking ahead even for past that to the draft itself. Um, we have a, an interesting piece of news this week, right? So – uh, it came out a little while ago that Jack Eichel was fed up with the losing culture in Buffalo now that the Sabres have officially missed the playoffs again. Now, over the past couple of years, I feel like there are a couple of teams you could list off the top of your head. Most notably, I think the Sabres, uh, the Florida Panthers, and the Arizona Coyotes, teams like that who have done everything in their power to do everything the right way, whether that comes from a new ownership perspective, 
uh, new management, uh, fresh line of thinking. Uh, a couple of these teams have not been able to get over the hump, right? So you're seeing a situation play out here where you have a former number two overall pick for the first time in his five years in Buffalo is voicing his displeasure. Now, typically this is not the route that most stars go, but he did say it. It's out in the open now. How do we feel about what Buffalo is doing right now? How do we feel about them a year from now? Uh, is there anything that they can do specifically in place to help Eichel change that, for all lack of a better term, basically calling what they have there a losing culture? So do we think there's, there's anything that they could do in the, uh, the, the short term and the long term to help satisfy his needs, or is this going to become a problem? Is, is he going to be the next big name uh, to be on the trade block? No, I don't think he's getting traded. They're, they're a weird team, Joe. It's almost impossible now with the parity in the league to miss the playoffs nine years in a row. Um, and I get his frustration. He's a, he's a terrific player. He's got a lot of pressure on him, you know, being that number two pick, like you said, and now the captain of the team and trying to figure this all out. I think they have the right coach in place. I like Ralph Kruger a lot. He's a really bright guy. Um, there's just not enough there yet. I don't know if it's an infrastructure thing in the front office or uh, what's going on with ownership. I, I know that they're incredibly wealthy people. I don't think money is an issue for sure. Um, and they have some older guys who aren't producing the way that they used to. Kyle Oposo, who's a terrific human being and has been through so much health-wise, it's great to see him, uh, you know, playing again because we didn't even know if that was going to be the case a, a little while back. Um, there's just not enough after that top line. Um, and there's not enough even on the, on the first line next to Eichel. Um, Jeff uh, Skinner hasn't really produced to the contract that he was given. Um, Sam Reinhart really hasn't been what they envisioned. I don't think honestly, um, but they can fix things through the draft and, uh, we'll see if they do anything free agent wise, or if they trade a guy like Ristolainen to get another forward for Jack. Um, he's a terrific player and he's the, he's the face of that franchise and the centerpiece, but they clearly need more if they're going to be an upper echelon team in the NHL. All right. So you mentioned something specifically that I was, that I was going to bring up. So thank you for the segue. The one thing that we see in that situation, right, is Jack Eichel is the captain. He was named the captain. Do you think that some of these guys take on too much pressure when they become the captain? So you saw this play out with the Rangers and Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough was always a very good to great player when he was in New York, right? But we saw that the responsibility and sometimes the, 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 the way you have to act be it when you're not on the ice, when you're in the locker room, when you're dealing with the media, that's a huge one, right? So we see this situation where the Sabres, from a whatever kind of standpoint, whether he is the leader of the locker room, whether he's the face of everything that they do marketing-wise and he's the guy that they want to wear the seat, whatever the case may be, do you think it's a lot of pressure for these guys to take on the seat? And do you think that comes with, sort of the, the issues that you see here with a player just being sort of fed up and not really caring about, uh, you know, what he puts out into the, the media? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Joey. It really isn't. Every guy is different, honestly. I mean, I remember when the, when the Avs named um, Landis Cog the captain, I thought it was a terrific pick because you just saw the maturity there. 
Um, and I don't think what Jack did today was was wrong or immature. Look, they didn't make the playoffs again. He's pissed. And he, I, I mean, I understand it. I don't think there was anything wrong with what he – it's not like he said, get me out of here. I've had it. Um, he said he's had it with losing, which he should say as the captain of a team that didn't make the playoffs and didn't make it last year or the year before that and the year before that. Um, but every guy is different, and it is a ton of pressure, right? You know, I remember when Tavares left the, the Islanders and fans were clamoring to me on Twitter that Barzell should be the replacement. Um, and having, you know, been in that room day in and day out, I just I didn't think it would be the right move because um, I just didn't think he was ready, not because I thought he could never be a captain. I think he could be conceivably down the road somewhere. Um, won't be in New York, obviously, anytime soon, because Anders has resigned for another six seasons after this. But um, it really depends on the guy and how much can they take on at a young age. I think Jack, um, you know, I don't deal with him day in and day out to know if he was ready when they gave him the keys. But, um, look – Again, just going back to what he said today, I didn't have an issue with it. I think it's okay to, to get pissed off and fed, fed up when things aren't going the way that you want it to go. Um, and we'll see what happens from here. Do the Sabres um, help him out and, and get him some more help and get over the hump? Uh, or do they trade him, like, like you said earlier? I don't see that happening. I think the first step is to get this guy some help, see what happens, and then reassess after that. Right, I agree. I don't think you can hold necessarily everything people put out there against them. Um, all right, so again, regular season's over, right? So award season, right? So this is kind of going to have a little funky asterisk next to it. Uh, a lot of what we uh, normally expect uh, with the 82-game season, but all, it was pretty high scoring this, this year, to be honest. There's a lot of, a lot of point totals that would have uh, – constituted a really great season five years ago that now kind of seems to be going with the, uh, the, the ebbs and flows of the league, right? So uh, we have both Rocket Richard winners determined, right? So Ovechkin and David Pasternak led the NHL in goals this season. Leon of the Oilers, who you mentioned before, uh, had 110 points. He, uh, he's going to win the, the Art Rush Trophy, right? So we're not going to go through every single candidate for every single award because there's still too many, right? So we'll just focus on the three big ones that we have left right after this, right? So Jack Adams for best coach, the Vesna Trophy for the best goalie, and the Hart Trophy for the league MVP. Now, if it was up to me, I'm on Nick's side. I would love for my man, uh, Mr. Breadman on Tammy Panarin, to be nominated for the Hart Trophy. But obviously we don't have any inclinations of, of who's going to get nominated and, and all that, right? So, uh, so I just want go through each of them, right? If you want to give like some like one or two candidates, that's fine. Give us your best choice based on where the season ended at the point it did, and who should win each award. All right, which one was first? <laughs> Actually, you know what? We're gonna throw. A, I'm sorry, I forgot to include the Norris Trophy in there too. So we'll go. We'll go. Jack Adams for coach first, right? We'll yeah. go Vezina Roy, we'll go the Norris Trophy, and then we'll go uh, the Hart Trophy last, right? So you got four. Sorry. Uh, first one was uh, Adams. I, I just did these two for .com. I'm trying to remember who I voted for. I think I had Torts one and Mike Sullivan two. Um, okay. And Vigneault three. That's right. I had everybody in the same division. That's just the way that it worked out. Uh, the job that Torts did with Columbus this year was just – ridiculous i mean off the charts they lost guys left and right including their number one goalie uh seth jones was out for a while 
the job that he did was was nuts. And the same, like I was saying earlier, with with Pittsburgh, um, they lost guys left and right too. Latang, Crosby was out for a while. I think Malkin was out for a while. It's going back like November, December. I'm trying to remember everybody was hurt. Hornquist. I mean, they lost so many guys. Gensel, like we were saying earlier, um, and they just stayed in the hunt the entire time. And um, the job that Vigneault did in Philly, I mean, the history that Elaine Vigneault has in the in the uh, the first season of a new market that he's in, everywhere he's been, it's just an instant turnaround. It's, it's really crazy uh, what he's done. Angie's List is now Angie, and getting your to-do list done just got easier. Between back to school and with the holidays around the corner, it can feel like there's no time to tackle home projects. Whether you need help with emergency repairs or major upgrades, Angie matches you with top local pros who can get the job done right. Browse reviews, see upfront pricing, and instantly book hundreds of projects. Save time for what matters most. Book your next project at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In Philly, it really is. What was next, Joey? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you on torts. I think I think he should be a slam dunk. Yeah. Uh, Let's go Vezina Trophy next. Vezina, I think I picked uh, – I'm trying to remember. Merzlikens, maybe? I think he was in top five. Um, oh, I, I had Tuka Resk winning the Vezina. Uh, I think he had like yes. a 920 save percentage, right? I mean, he had a really, really good number. I know he, he didn't play as much as he used to. He split it with Yara a little bit more down the middle. I know that was the plan from the get-go. Uh, right. But Tuka Resk was fantastic for sure for Boston. Yeah, he was. Uh, okay, so we got the, the Norris Trophy now for best defenseman. Norris. I believe I had uh, – this is killing me. Though. Oh, John Carlson. I had John Carlson in Washington okay. winning the Norris. Uh, he was fantastic from day one. It seemed like he was getting two points every night. He was terrific, and he was playing like 25, 26 minutes a night. I think the other name to watch out for, uh, should he be nominated, will be Roman Yossi. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I think Carlson was easily from start to finish. He was unbelievable this season. There were some games that he just completely took over and had three, four, five point nights. And he obviously had the 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 streak towards the beginning of the season. He was unbelievable. All right, so Hart uh, Trophy MVP. MVP of the league is David Pasternak. I know you Ranger fans are screaming about Artemi Panarin. I get it. Had they won a few more games earlier in the season, I think that's a slam dunk. Uh, but Pasternak was so dominant from the beginning. I know the Bruins are a great team. I get it. But when you score almost every single night throughout the course of a season, um, I think that constitutes winning the Hart Trophy. Oh, those are fair answers. I can't disagree with any of them. I, uh, yes, I know you can. question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe is pretty mad you didn't name a Ranger for every category. <laughs> David Quinn should have been, you know. Right on the list. Kind of the fun question of one, one, no matter what. All right. So, so Brian, obviously the season's shortened here now, and it won't affect, you know, these big guys like uh, Crosby or Ovechkin. But looking forward, you know, 10 years from now, right, when you're looking at these guys for a Hall of Fame, maybe their numbers are just not adding up. How is, it, how is this year going to, to come into play? And maybe even next year, too, when guys might be tired because of the long or the shorter offseason and – you know, you might have those specific thresholds you usually look for for a Hall of Famer, but n- not due to anything they did on the ice, just due to the fact of what happened this year, that their numbers might not add up. I don't think anything's going to be held against them f- for this year. If, if anything, it might even push them further, Nick, because, uh, you know, what if somebody has a terrific postseason right out of the shoot, 
after not playing for months and furthermore, not even getting to skate for the first two or three months from the pause, right, to, to come back. And I think it just constitutes how hard that they worked or try to at least while this whole pandemic was going on. Um, and as far as next year that, you know, it's a quick turnaround, we don't even know uh, when next season is going to begin. You know, we've heard, you know, November, December, maybe the Winter Classic is, is the first game of the season on January 1st. And if that's the case, um, you know, if the season ends in, you know, if the Stanley Cup final is in late August, early September, you have a couple of months there to regroup before things pick up again. So um, I think the players will be fine whenever next season gets underway. So you mentioned the Winter Classic and, you know, who knows what the scheduling is going to be like with fans or not, or if that gets postponed this year, but I don't want to, you know, get you in trouble here. So I'll blame Joe if this question <laughs> rubs you the wrong way, but do you feel like the stadium series have kind of taken away from the winter classic? I mean, I, I, I attended a winter classic, one of the most incredible experiences I've ever attended. I went to this one at Simpsons big ballpark the second one ever. And that was just really awesome. Uh, but do you, do you feel like, it's got, It's kind of getting a little oversaturated in the last few years. I don't think so. I, I mean, the crowds dictate that answer, Nick, right? I mean, if the places are always packed, no matter where they are, or, you know, how many times a certain team has been in an outdoor game, it doesn't seem to stop people from going to those games and, you know, having gotten to cover a few of them. I mean, they're just such awesome events. I mean, the, having the Winter Classic in Dallas, I mean, the Cotton Bowl was just – who would ever thought that we'd see a hockey game at the Cotton Bowl? I mean, it was just insane. And there's 85,000 people there. Um, it was a really, really cool event. And then the the game at the Air Force Academy was really cool. I think as long as we keep coming up with, um, you know, fresh ideas as far as venues go, um, I think it, the sky's the limit with these outdoor games. The more that, like Gary says, the, the more the merrier, man. I mean, they're just, they're so cool and so different. And it's an opportunity to present something that these other sports really can't do. Speaking of state-of-the-art facilities, obviously construction has resumed at Belmont Park. So are you more excited to see an Islanders game there or a WWE event? <laughs> you know what? I can't wait. I, I really, really can't. This is so overdue for that franchise and everything that the fans have gone through and the team and the owner, multiple owners have gone through trying to get a new building for that hockey team. And, um, you know, I what I really want to see, fellas, is a – Belmont Stakes slash game whatever of the Stanley Cup final on the same day, that would be unbelievable. That, uh, the only thing that would even – that I can even compare that to, there was a year, I want to say like 99 or 2000, where there was uh, the Belmont Stakes, the Knicks in the finals, and the Mets played the Yankees. I think it was all on the same day, which was just – I mean, what are the odds of that happening, right? It was really, really cool. So if we could get – a Belmont Stakes and the Islanders in the cup final at Belmont on the same day, that would just be off the charts. Yeah, and there's certainly a, uh, one Long Islander who would be at both events, and he'd let you know, and that would be Joe's friend, Mike Frances. He'd certainly be there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, you know how much Mike loves the Islanders, so. Yeah. 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 He Mike, likes him Marillo. He loves Lou. He loves Lou. Yeah. 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 But, Brian, uh, transitioning here to wrestling. So, Joe, Joe has let, let me know that you're a very big wrestling fan, which is music to our ears because we do <laughs> do a fair amount of wrestling here. Uh, I, I'm assuming you're, you're, you know, you're keeping close tabs on things and there, there's a lot of competition going on now between WWE and AEW and they're copying each other's style. And now 
WWE is trying to input this adjusted wildcard rule to you know let people go from brand to brand to kind of boost the ratings. I'm not for the wildcard rule, but I do like the Charlotte Flair rule where apparently if you're the NXT champion, you can go on every show. And I think it's, uh, it's been some great, some great booking. What do you think about that? I hate the brand split. I, I always have, guys. I just – I don't – I hate that there's two champions of, you know, tag team titles and you, there's a universal champion and there's a WW. I hate all that stuff, honestly. Um, the cream always rises to the top. I, I know it's tough for some of these other, you know, mid-card, lower-card guys um, to get to the main event when there's only one brand, but um, I, I just can't stand it, honestly. I love what AEW is doing um, for multiple reasons, but the biggest thing is, Without competition, the WWE is terrible. Yeah, I mean, we said the best rest, the best um, era of wrestling was the you know mid '90s to to 2000. It was just off the charts good because Vince didn't have a choice but to be off the charts good because WCW pushed them. And I think you're gonna you're starting to see it now. Um, and the pandemic just couldn't have come at a worse time. I mean, period. But I mean, talking about wrestling here. Um, because AEW was really, really making strides. And I'm curious to see, um, you know, hopefully this ends sooner rather than later, but, you know, where AEW can go once we get back to normal here a little bit. Yeah, AEW is interesting, but sometimes I feel like I'm watching like a 1990s episode of Raw. You got Jake Roberts, on Anderson, <laughs> uh, you got Mike Tyson now. So it's just, to me, it's sometimes it's a little bit like, all right, I get the point you want to get the pop and have these older guys here, but without an audience... I, I prefer they would just do some younger people in storylines. Uh, my biggest issue with AEW, Joe, is that once you, ha- once you see a big feud like Omega Moxley or Moxley versus Jericho, Cody versus MGF, MJF, the next episode of AEW, it's over. There's no rematch ever. And I think at least in, the, in these stages, you should have tried to stretch those out. Um, and I don't like, Joe, the inner circle. I don't – I mean, I like the, the idea, the concept, but I don't think – they did the right choices in having those be members around Jericho. Uh, Sammy Guevara, you could definitely see, ended up being a big single star. But uh, Santana Ortiz, they're going to be what they are. Jake Hager, he's good at MMA. He absolutely is the least charismatic wrestler in AEW. So, you know, what are your thoughts, Joe, on Mike Tyson and the inner circle mixing it up on AEW? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest, most dangerous – thing that any other company that's not the WWE has to to worry about is to falling into old patterns and old tropes, right? So we've seen Tyson on TV multiple times before. Yes, people will tune in to watch Tyson and and he brought some other uh some MMA fighters with him last night, which was it was good. It was interesting. Uh it's something you don't usually see and and uh uh UFC fighter Henry Cejudo who is a huge wrestling fan he ended up showing up so that's going to raise his stock a little bit some people who may not know necessarily know yeah. who he is nikki bella but, uh, turned him down so she basically said you can look but you can't touch and uh <laughs> now he's he's over in AEW. and i don't know if brian follows uh mma at all but uh brian what are your thoughts on a lot of these mma guys trying to make the crossover into wrestling now I mean, look, if there's money to be made, just go for it, right? I mean, we've seen so much crossover, you know, back and forth with, with that stuff. I'll tell you what pisses me off about the inner circle more than anything else is why do they use Jericho's music, like, when they're all coming out at the same time? Like, you never saw that with these other factions ever. Like, that's Jericho's music. They need to come up with their own thing. So, 
Nick was talking about MMA people going into wrestling, right? So it's only fair we talk about a wrestler who went into MMA, right? Your good friend, <laughs> your good pen pal. You know, we, we don't have pen pals anymore, but you have a really, really strong Twitter friendship, companionship, the buddy cop thing. I don't know how this happened, right? But you are always talking with one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Mr. CM Punk. Now, I asked you about this once before I work. I don't think you gave me a concrete answer, but I'm going to ask you again. Do you remember the first time he reached out to you or was it you reaching out to him? Like, how did that happen? I, I did an Islanders podcast uh, like four or five years ago and I had him on. I just took a shot in the dark when he was before his first UFC fight. So I reached out to UFC and they, they got a hold of him. He's like, yeah, I'll talk to him. That's fine. And we talked for, on the show for like 10 minutes. Um, and then the Blackhawks, did they, Blackhawks were, I think they won the cup that year, if memory serves. Um, so he just started, he followed me on Twitter and then he just started DMing me about like the games and what they were going to do in the off season. And it just kind of blossomed from there. I mean, look, he doesn't like text me to say, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? It's not like that at all. It's more just, it's mostly hockey stuff. And, um, I went out to Cleveland when, when he, when he lost that fight to Mickey Gall, which he was obviously very upset about, but. Um, I told him, look, you won just by getting in there. The people who are mocking you and telling you you suck, like they would never do what you just did, right? So um, you won just by getting in there. We, I mean, we're not quote unquote friends. I think you said it perfectly, Joe. We're pen pals. Like we'll DM each other back and forth about hockey stuff and slap shot lines because that's his favorite movie too. But um, he's a good dude. We, we've had uh, we've had some laughs over the years for sure. That's great. Brian, I've always thought that Mike Rupp would have been an excellent WWE superstar. Is there anybody else that comes to mind out of a current, the current crop of talent in the NHL that might have a career in wrestling afterwards? Oh, I don't know if they would have. P.K. Subban is as charismatic as they come. I think he, was, he would be a natural on the mic uh, for sure. That's the thing. Like Three quarters of wrestling is the mic. I mean, if you're terrible on the mic, like you were talking about Jack Swagger before, like he just has no chance because he he's terrible on the microphone. That's half the battle. Um, you know who would be a great manager for Jack Swagger? Sean yeah. Avery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think uh, P.K. Subban for sure. I think he would be pretty good. Johnny Boychuk's pretty funny. I think he could pull it off. Uh, I'm trying to think of any Rangers. The Rangers Tortorella are, would be a great. Torts would be fantastic. Yeah, you could see Torts with the with the cane, like slick or something like that. That would be pretty <laughs> fun. Brian, who are your favorite wrestlers all time, and who are your favorite wrestlers now? All time, uh, Flair, Savage, Hogan. Just because you have to have Hogan. I mean, if, I grew up in the '80s. I mean, you had to love Hulk Hogan back then. But I would say Flair, Savage, Hogan. I loved Punk. Um, Trying to think who else. Uh, Edge and Christian were great. The, the Dudleys were great. I, lo I used to love those, um, the ladder matches from like WrestleMania 17, 18. Those guys just killed themselves, the Hardy Boys. The, those were a lot of fun. Taker's great. Um, Triple H is great. Um, Austin was great. The Rock was great. Uh, that, that's what I was talking about who before. Did you, who did you like the least? Uh, growing up? Growing up, yeah. Uh, I never understood with the amount of talent that they had that they made Sergeant Slaughter the heavyweight champion after the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. Like, it was baffling to me. 
<laughs> like he was like he was already like 55 years old and like 320 pounds he couldn't move and all the guys that they had they had i mean obviously it was a setup by savage but they had the ultimate warrior who beat hulk hogan like a year earlier lose to sergeant slaughter for the title that was that baffled my mind so brian you're you're a long island guy i just gotta ask you, you know, your thoughts on the WWE career of the Long Island IZ, Zack Ryder. I think this guy was uh, a superstar in the making. He's the reason why WWE is so uh, into social media and YouTube now. They have like 60 million YouTube subscribers. And I was at Survivor Series at MSG. I think Joe was there too. And The Rock's in the ring trying to cut a post-show promo. And everyone's chanting, we want Ryder. And I thought <laughs> this, was, this was it. I said, you know what, this guy, he's going he's gonna to take off from here. Uh, this week he was on Talk is Jericho with Kurt Hawkins, and he said, you know, he came back and he, was, he got boost bumps. He came back, back behind the curtain after his attack on Dolph Ziggler, and he thought a Triple H to come over here, and he thought this was going to be like, you know, pat on the shoulder, good job, kid. But it was Triple H saying, what the hell did you do with your hair? Why is it blonde? And that was, oh, that's geez. the response he got when he came backstage. So as, as a fellow Long Islander, just want to get your thoughts on Yeah, that. I think they – screwed up i think he was massively underused honestly uh great personality was good in the ring i think he i took my son to wrestlemania last year didn't he win the tag titles with uh he did yeah and then all of a sudden he's gone like what was the point of this it was kind of i guess it was just a hey thanks you can win in new york and then we're gonna get rid of you i don't know what could be uh he could be joining uh all elite i I hope he does i I think i think he could I think he could have a really good career with, with, with those guys because they know how to use their talent. I mean, that's part of the problem. If you're not in that, um, that circle with Vince, it just seems like you have no shot. It, it's a shame. But I hope Zach uh, makes it in AEW. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I used to love Ryder too. And, yeah, it was that Survivor Series when that happened. That was very, very crazy. Uh, all right, we're going to start to wrap things up here, Brian. But uh, so – you are a huge Kiss fan. Everybody knows this, right? Like, you tweet, you tweet about it whenever you can. Uh, everybody knows whenever they're in concert, you're, you're always one of the, the first guys to get tickets. <laughs> so here's, here's what I'm going to do, right? Kiss, like, we know they're going to be – we know that's, like, concrete. Like, they're set. Like, they're one of your headliners, right? Yeah. So if I was asking you, I gave you one weekend of a major festival, right? I gave you Saturday night. I'm going to give you – all right, we're going to make this as this is the one concert that Brian Compton wants to see. You're the first night of a festival, right? You got Kiss playing. You get three other choices of bands to play with Kiss. If you had to go, like, and you had to pick for a live show, what other bands would you pick? Three other bands. Um, I want to say Pearl Jam because I love Pearl Jam too, but that just that, that doesn't mesh. You'd have two totally different crowds. Um, Three bands. Foo Fighters, for sure. There you go. Um, My favorite band. Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. And ACDC. I like that. I like that. Foo Fighters is my favorite band. No Fozzy? I like that answer. Fozzy would be fun. I just thought Fozzy's not big enough, I don't think, to play on that act, per se. Um, If if you're doing it at the Fighter Fest 2020, AEW Fighter Festival. I would love to see Fozzy if it's just a, a Kiss show. Fozzy should open for them. I think I can't remember if I think Jericho went on one of their cruises. I can't remember for sure. I think he did though. Um, but Fozzy opening for Kiss would be amazing. Would and you Jericho, go on? Would you go Jericho on a Chris Jericho, Jericho Rock and Rager? 
Rock and Ranger cruise? Uh, I would. My wife would not. So <laughs> if she's not willing to go, that I'm out because I'm not allowed to do that stuff by myself. There you have it. Yeah. All right, Brian, I want to thank you for coming on the program. It's been a great chat with you. We covered a lot with NHL and, of course, WWE and AEW. And what we usually do here is we give it over to our guests for some last words. Last words for the fans? Yes. Um, thank you for, for those who have stuck with me. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for sticking with the NHL. We will be back hopefully very shortly and I hope everybody stays safe. Thanks, cool. Brian. Appreciate it. You're a great man and the best. Thanks for having me boys. Good to talk to you, Joey. Miss you, pal. Miss you too. For Brian, Joe, I'm Nick, and this is, you know, I'm right. COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership-developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college.